Hi there, and welcome to the Organic Stream Talk Show. I'm your host, Aline Murphy, and today we're bringing you a detailed update on the current status and challenges facing the anaerobic digestion sector today. Our guests are Mario Rosato, engineer and currently the CEO of Sustainable Technologies. And our second guest is Jing Liu, Associate Professor in the field of Environmental Biotechnology and Bioenergy at Lund University, Sweden, and the CEO of Bioprocess Control, Sweden. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing the state of the sector today, our lack of knowledge about the AD process and how that impacts efficiency at the plant, the problem with energy crops, and what we need to do to tackle all these issues. For those of you who are new to anaerobic digestion, or for the policymakers out there who'd like to get a better insight into what's going on, this is an excellent episode to help you get an overview of the whole industry, the issues that need to be addressed, and how policy can help shape the future. And for part two of our episode, we're bringing you a briefing from Ecomondo 2015, which we attended last month, and we'll be sharing some of the insights from the key figures we spoke to. So stay tuned for that as well. And now, let's get on to our interview with Mario and Jing. So today we're going to be talking about the state of the anaerobic digestion sector and what we need to do in order for that sector to expand and improve. And you both have many great things to say on this topic. But when we were discussing the content of the show together, the key point that the two of you brought up that I noticed was that the AD industry is not focusing enough on optimizing operational efficiency in biogas plants. So you describe to me what this means. But for our audience, maybe we should start with a simple introductory question. So Jing, can you tell us what operational efficiency is and what does it look like for AD or biogas plants? Well, I think the first of all, we need to understand the difference between the efficiency and the performance operation. And also, I think the efficiency and the performance operation should match to the goal of uh, the process. The goal of operation need to be clarified. And uh, in fact, actually, goal of operation might be vary. And for instance, the traditional operation for waste and wastewater handling, the goal is to match the discharge standard. However, for renewable energy production, the goal is to maximize the energy production and to ensure the profitability by improving the utilization of a process unit, increase the mass and the energy throughput. And those two operational goals, there might be a conflict. And the key is we have to find the balance. And the, we need to know that uh, seldom the case the plant are designed for optimum performance. Right, so they're not always designed with this in mind. And Mario, maybe you can share your thoughts on this as well? Yes, I have a, a more on-field experience in this sense. And I can say that uh, an aerobic digestion plant can be considered optimal if it has been designed to be optimal by producing the maximum amount of methane per cubic meter of digester and producing the maximum amount of methane per ton of feedstock fed to the digester, which are usually opposite criterions because one excludes the other. 
At the same time, the plant must be stable enough in its operation. I mean stable in the sense of maintaining a constant gas production with varying quality and quantity of feedstock, which is quite a tough goal to reach. So this is why a plant, to be optimal, must be uh, in a certain way reached through a, a compromise between these opposite constraints in the management. Okay, so it's all about compromising, which can be quite tricky. And Jing, you were saying that the goals can be in conflict with each other as well. Um, So Mario, if there isn't a focus on operational efficiency, where is there a focus then? Um, Can you maybe give us a brief overview of the AD sector globally today? Yes, for sure. Uh, Mainly in the European Union and the United States, the trend is to build plants as big as possible. The reason for that is a a kind of economy scale. Usually, the plant builders say that plants must be very big in order to be stable in operation, which is not uh, completely true. A plant is not more stable or more efficient because of its size. The plant is efficient because of its management. Mm -hmm. The, The other extreme is India or China, where the policies have led uh, people to build very small plants, usually at household levels. In that case, the plants are poorly managed. Nevertheless, they are efficient for the scope they have, which is just producing a bit of energy for for household use. Uh, It must be noted that regardless of the different national policies towards big or small-scale plants, uh, there is uh, a very little political drive for making the plants efficient. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a pity because uh, a plant which is not efficient in its operation, regardless of the size, produces a digestate, which is usually used as fertilizer. But if the plant is not efficient enough, the digestate is not completely digested, what means that it still has a residual methane potential. This residual methane potential means that greenhouse gases will be emitted to the atmosphere. So the main environmental benefit of anaerobic digestion is being lost because of inefficient management. So on the other side, if you see the management of the plant from the economical point of view, an inefficient process is not extracting all the methane possible from that feedstock. So the result is that the economic performance of an inefficient biogas plant is also poor. Okay, so inefficient management is impacting the profitability of biogas plants, whether they're big or small, as well as the environment. And you're saying there's very little political drive at the moment to change this. Jing, would you agree here? Yeah, I fully agree. Um, But maybe I should add uh, some additional comment. In my point of view, the big plant may not necessarily have a high efficiency, although big biogas plants, they should have much higher interest to achieve the high efficiency because the economic and performance impact is such big in big, uh, if we can improve the efficiency. Um, but unfortunately, this is not always the case. Mm-hmm. The business are focused on the plant construction. Really little has been done for the ensure a better understanding of the process, the process dynamic, basically how to improve the operation. Really little has been done. 
So as a consequence, in many cases, we treat the biogas digester or biogas plant as a black box machine. So people dump things in, receiving unknown substrate just put in without knowing what they put into the plant. And how you can expect that you get the efficient and stable performance without knowing what you're dealing with. But actually, in fact, the AD plant should be considered as a... I, I have a good example to refer to it, bacterial farm or living organism, just like, uh, like the animal farm that require care and follow-up. So we need to really care the healthy level, the growth of the bacteria, make sure they are actually in the best condition, can convert the biomass to bioenergy. So this is the situation two scenario. Even though the European biogas industry are considered more advanced in general, I think these uh, actually also apply to European countries as well. So the situation really applies to the whole biogas sector, which really urgently need to improve. Um, so right now we're operating without much knowledge of the process itself, you're saying. And there's a lot of areas that the sector needs to improve on. Yeah. Um, Mario, you're quite aware of the issue on the ground. Can you share an example maybe of the environmental and economic consequences of this situation? Yes, I know well the, the Italian market of the biogas. And the, in the Italian reality, uh, the, the industry earns money not precisely on making efficient plants or on the engineering of the plant. What actually gives money to the biogas plant builders is the size, that is, the amount of concrete casted or the amount of steel employed for building the plant. So this means that such gigantism can only be reached for plants which are in, in the range of 100 kilowatts to 1,000 kilowatts. And uh, these plants are mainly designed for running on corn silage. Sorry, just to clarify, that's corn silage you're talking about. Sure. Right. Uh, corn silage is not necessarily the most uh, sustainable feedstock for making biogas, but it is very stable in its production. So, since said plants are owned by banks and capital groups, this substrate somehow ensures the owner of the plant that he will be able to recover the investment in a, in a certain amount of time and have a certain profitability. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we analyze some statistics that have been conduced by uh, an agricultural association in Italy, in this moment, 90% of the energy produced in such biogas plants comes actually from the corn not from the manure. And on the other side, only a small amount of the manure let's say about 10% of the manure is actually being digested. The 90% remaining manure is just being thrown to the field without being digested. So it is being lost the ecological potential of anaerobic digestion, which is actually polluting the manure before sending it to the field as a, as a fertilizer. Right. So instead of using the available manure, they're growing energy crops, which goes against the whole notion of sustainable distributed energy and closed loop circular systems as well. Yeah. Sure. So another aspect is that growing corn requires a lot of fossil fuel input for plugging, for pumping water, etc. So producing electricity with biogas means that about 60% of the total potential energy of the biogas itself 
is being lost as heat. So this energy lost as heat must be added to the energy put to the cultivation of the corn. That means that in overall, the amount of CO2 emission to the atmosphere is higher compared to other uh, renewable energies. And finally, uh, these plants that are owned by banks and capital groups were built with the purpose of benefiting state subsidizes. So what happens? is actually the Italian citizen who is paying for the subside to the renewable energy, which means an increase in the cost of the electric bill and uh, a kind of unfair social treatment of the resources because that money in excess being paid by, by the citizen is going to banks and capital groups, which sometimes are foreigners who are taking the money out of the country. Yeah. So the volume-driven approach has brought, at least in Italy, an increase in greenhouse gases emissions to a decrease in biodiversity and to the insurgents of citizens' committees which are protesting against biogas plants, even against those biogas plants that are run correctly. I'd like to take a moment to thank Lund University and the Faculty of Engineering for making this episode possible. Lund University is recognised globally as one of the top research-led comprehensive universities. The university and its Faculty of Engineering is consistently ranked as one of the top 100 universities in the world. Responsible for research and postgraduate education in different engineering subjects and industrial design, Lund University's Faculty of Engineering is today world-leading in a number of fundamental and applied fields, such as nanotechnology, combustion physics, automation, chemical and environmental engineering, and biotechnology. For more information, go to www.lu.se or click on the links in the description on our podcast page. And now, back to the show. So this approach is really doing damage then to the whole industry, the environment and the local citizens in Italy as well. Sure. So clearly something has to change in the way that we're doing this. And that's what I want to focus on now. And Jing, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this um, issue. Yes. So can you share some of those thoughts on what we should be doing? Where should our focus be? What are the challenges we face? And how should we approach planning and designing AD plants in the future? Well, this is a um, uh, rather big question. <laughs> um, although I mentioned that uh, the AD plant, the OB business industry, has very much focused on the plant construction, Lito has done for better understanding, improved operation. But I want to emphasize that doesn't mean the construction is not important. Mm-hmm. It is super important and to make sure that the design, construction, and operation are tightly connected to each other. Uh, I consider following challenge or aspects that should be important to address. I think right the technical knowledge and the facility that will able to definitely increase the efficiency of the plant and also consequently lead to more profitable operations. The right feedstock is super important. Feedstock is the fuel for AD plant. Without knowing the feedstock and the proper select or managing the feedstock, it is hardly possible to get enough good quality fuel to power the AD plant. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, this is the number one priority in many cases. The second aspect is the right plan design and the construction. Also, I mentioned in the earlier. In the reality, <laughs> it is not always the case because imagine when you drive a car and the steering wheel is locked how you can actually turn in your car. If there's an object in front of you, then you hit the object. But that's the, sometimes the situation in the AD plant. So the future biogas plant and design should meet the new operational demand. The third challenge or aspect that I would like to bring out is we really need to have right instrument, process optimizations, and the supervision control. Nowadays, many AD plants are lack of basic instrumentation in order to understand the status of the operation. In the control world, we said if you don't understand the process, you were never able to control the process. With too little process information, there's an impossible to steering the process towards the optimum conditions. So there is an urgent need. So we need to get more information. We need to analyze more. Interesting, yeah. The last aspect that I'm thinking about is uh, sufficient process knowledge and the competence of operator. Again, if you get all the infrastructure, right fuel, right plant, right instrument, somebody has to drive it. Somebody has to manage it. And uh, this requires knowledge and the competence of operator. Only in that case, this industry can move forward. Quite often, I'm using uh, two examples. One example, I refer AD plant as a bacterial farm. Another case is I refer uh, AD plant like a car. The car is more like a biogas plant. You need a good car. The fuel is more like a feedstock that you really need a right feedstock to feed into the, to, to the plant. And the driver, even you have the best car, best fuel, the car doesn't move. You need a skilled driver. The same case for the biogas plant. You need to have experienced, knowledge uh, operator and process engineer to steering the operations. Right. So with the right technology, knowledge and training, AD plants can greatly improve their operation. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to discuss an example of how this could exactly work on the ground and the benefits it can have for uh, biogas plant owners. Um, now, Mario, you were involved in rescuing an AD plant in Italy where the owner had invested millions in trying to figure out just what was going wrong with their plant. The plant was rated as one megawatt, but only reached 60% of its capacity, even though they were feeding it with more than 50 tonnes a day of corn and triticale silage. Uh, so, Mario, you were brought in to help figure out what the problem was. Can you tell us what you did to find the answer? Yes. So, most of the time, the plant was being fed with 50 tons per day of corn silage, which is a, a lot of money if you consider that corn silage is a valuable feedstock. So, the problem was easily solved with just 18,000 euros. This amount was used to install a small laboratory in the facility. I trained the workers of the plant, which are not engineers, they are not biologists, they are just manual workers. And uh, this plant, uh, I must say, was underdimensioned. So I focused the strategy on producing the maximum amount of methane given the size of the plant. So I trained the workers to check with the laboratory the potential of the concealage was. We made some experiments with different mixtures of uh, silage, cow dung, chicken dung, and uh, some minerals that tend to activate the biological activity of the bacteria. 
So after uh, a couple of months of test with the instrument, we identified where the problem was. It was a lack in minerals, which was caused by using uh, corn and treaty kale as feedstock. So by adding these minerals, which are just uh, mineral fertilizers that can be bought in any agricultural shop, the owner of the plant was able to bring the electrical production from 110 kilowatt to 999 kilowatt, which is the legal limit allowed for that category of plant in Italy. So uh, since then, it's more than one year, the plant has been running stably. Then a secondary situation I noticed is that the people working in that plant were highly motivated. You can imagine that going with a damper, a bulldozer, loading sealers from the trench and loading that in the digester is not a, a very interesting or amusing job. It's quite a, a dead-end job. These people now are motivated because they are not anymore manual workers. Uh, they are laboratorists, you know. They are in charge of a very sophisticated instrument. Now, any time they do something, they know why they are doing it, which is quite important because they are ready to assume risk and to assume responsibility. So uh, that is a, a, a side effect that was quite positive for the operation of the plant and demonstrate that professionalization of the operators is of utmost importance to bring the plant to an optimum working condition. So it's really a shift in perspective that the AD plant is a biological organism or a farm and the workers are laboratorists, biologists, rather than just operators. So that's a great example then of how this can work. Now, I want to pull back from the interview here for a moment because we've covered a lot of ground and since this episode is a little longer than usual, I want us to take a short breather so we can reflect on all the points made so far. We've discussed a lot of roadblocks and challenges for the sector and I want to make sure we have them all in order before we move on to the next section, which will be all about solutions. So we've covered a lot of the challenges and what needs to be addressed for the sector to be successful in the future. But let's talk about the bigger picture now. For example, when we talk about increasing efficiency, it's hard to justify increasing the quality or the quantity of the output if there's no support or no market for them. So Jing, I'll put this to you. Uh, what key steps do we need to take for the sector to move forward in terms of policy and political support? It's um, if you look at nowadays, um, biogas has been generated quite interesting in the last decade. Particular, we see the transition from uh, using AD technology 
from only waste handling towards combined waste handling and renewable energy production. Mm -hmm. Even though right now the price of the energy is low, but in the long run, we all know that the economic base on the fossil fuel is not sustainable. Not only because of the cost potentially you cannot renew, so it's getting less and less, and the cost will increase and create greenhouse emission, all this uh, aspect, but also have a big impact impact and negative impact the national security because then fossil fuel are never really equally distributed around so you have a, uh, there's a security national security issues as well so that's also the reason we are coming out the renewable energy and so on but the reason year just recently the renewable has going not as developed as it should be because of the return of the investment maybe take too long and so on countries need to have policy frameworks that support energy efficiency investments. Tackling climate change is not only about... Uh... In my point of view, moving to the renewable, from fossil fuel to renewable, it is a decision of the politicians, the national decisions, because we are in the transition based on the energy sources from one of very few big players towards renewable, which should be operate, managed by many, many local players local produced, local utilized, and uh, spread out the risk and so on. And this is actually the political decision. It's not only marketing, it is the decision. And that's one aspect. In my point of view, also the competition and the market competition is also a bit unfair. And uh, indeed, the renewable is still in the relatively early stage. The market maturity, the business model maturity is not as well established as it should be or compared to their fossil fuel. And the people talk about too much support or subsidiary to renewable. But in fact, actually, the fossil fuel, I think, has much more getting the support from the government or from the big players. So... My message, basically, I think, we know the current energy system is not sustainable. We need to move from the fossil fuel-based economic to renewable. There's no doubt about that. It's for our future generations. And that's actually a decision from the government. And governments need to provide infrastructure, policy support, or facilitate to grow, to maturize the business, the model, to help the, the renewable company working, moving that direction, pushing the market towards that direction. And it is also important to make sure that um, uh, because renewable energy, including biogas, there will be many, many small and local players to be involved. It's not one of few big player. And that's very important because that's very interesting to create a job. That's actually another big benefit. So I think, uh, once again, this is a political decision. And without the right the political decision and the support, this industry can very hard to move forward. Great answer, Jing. Really interesting points. Uh, and Mario, what are your thoughts on this as well? Yes, in, in my personal opinion, the policies should incentive the use of anaerobic digestion, mainly for waste management. And uh, in that case, the subsides should go to those who demonstrate the lower greenhouse gas emissions. The biggest value of anaerobic digestion is 
the ecological value, a part of producing energy. It's, it's a way of reducing greenhouse gases emissions to the atmosphere and uh, to produce a fertilizer that means saving energy, fossil fuel energy for the production of chemical fertilizers. So these uh, repercussions have a, a, an enormous value from the political point of view. Compared to other energies, probably the, the, the anaerobic digestion is the technology that allows a complete circular economy. Mm -hmm. On the other side, it is very important the education of people. In order to, to drive a truck, you need to have a special license and to undergo a lot of exams, which is absolutely logic and normal. That if you don't know how to drive a truck, you can cause a lot of accidents. How can you explain then that nobody has ever thought about imposing the need of having a license for managing a biogas plant? An average Italian biogas plant has the power of 10 trucks and the damage it can cause to the environment if not correctly managed is enormous. It's really a, a big uh, environmental threat if not correctly managed. So education of the operators of the plants is of utmost importance in my opinion and, and this is an aspect that the the policy makers have not considered till now the other aspect is that a biogas plant if correctly managed rationally managed equipped with an adequate instrument to measure the methane potential of the feedstock can be run on any feedstock that means mainly residual feedstock which is the most sustainable way to obtain energy rather than cultivating energy crop. So this is another aspect that in many countries in the European Union is missing. Many policies are still pushing the cultivation of energy crop instead of the production of energy with waste through anaerobic digestion. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about just also adding one thing. I fully agree that education, knowledge transfer is critical in the professional level, make sure the plant operation. I think also very important to increase the public awareness, including not for the public people, but also politicians. Mm -hmm. There has been an increasing uh, scare, you can say, say, oh, uh, AD plant biogas process is uh, too complex. It is a complex process, but it can be well managed. It is a natural existing biochemical process. And what we need is just to intensify it, to make it more efficient. And uh, with the right education and also increase the public awareness, I think we can utilize this gift from the nature and get the most benefit out of it. Seldom you can find the technology can handling all kinds of waste, biodegradable waste, and convert to stabilize it. We need to do that anyhow because waste is always there. And also at the same time to generate uh, renewable energy. There's no other actually the technology I can I can think can be comparable basically. So only what you need we need is. Uh, of course, education, knowledge transfer, make sure that uh, we, we see the benefit, we know how to operate, and we create a good policy to support the development. Then, the technology with this in place, the right technology and good technology will naturally move to the sectors and to be utilized. 
and uh, consequently we will have a much more profitable, economic, feasible, uh, efficient process and we can get benefit uh, from the AD process. That was Jing Liu and Mario Rosato sharing their insights and experiences on the state of the AD sector today and giving us some very interesting points to think about. From the discussion, we learned that first of all, we are not prioritizing operational efficiency in plants today, and this is having a negative impact, both for the plants themselves and for the environment. Our guests explained that we need to build plants with efficiency in mind in the future, invest in the right technology, and in education and knowledge transfer systems, so that plants can be run stably and efficiently, And in terms of impacts on the environment, policy played a huge role in our discussion. We heard from both Jing and Mario that policy which favours large-scale plants and the use of energy crops, as opposed to using locally abundant feedstocks and closed-loop systems, has led to higher greenhouse gas emissions, a reduction in biodiversity, and even a bad public image for the AD sector in the case of Italy, for example. Both our guests agree that a political decision needs to be made to support renewable energy and more small and local players in order to build a truly sustainable AD sector. I'd like to take a moment to thank Bioprocess Control, Sweden, for making this episode possible. Bioprocess Control is a technology provider in the area of advanced instrumentation and control technologies for research and commercial applications in the biogas industry, exporting to more than 45 countries around the world. With a portfolio of smart instruments in the area of substrate analysis and process simulation, Bioprocess Control offers technology solutions that both stabilize and unleash the true potential of a biogas plant. For more information, go to www.bioprocesscontrol.com. And now, back to the show. Now, the Organic Stream team were at Ecomondo last month to take part and to report on the event. For those who don't know, Ecomondo is the largest showcase in the Euro-Mediterranean area for advanced and sustainable technology for processing and recycling all kinds of waste. The event took place in Rimini, Italy, and it was four days of conferences with over a thousand international speakers and an expo with 1,200 companies taking part. This year, the focus was on the green economy and how Italy is currently focusing on boosting the green economy in the country. The key message seemed to be that building a green and circular economy is possible today and that these concepts will play a central role in all industry sectors moving forward. The generation of waste in the food system was a very popular topic this year, as was the conference Towards a Zero Waste Food Chain, enabling technologies for the sustainability of the food industry and waste management in a perspective of circular economy. Many different topics were discussed during this conference. Some of the ones we thought were key were the importance of separate collection schemes for organic materials, charges for pay-as-you-throw systems, improving process efficiency in the food chain, 
and strategies to reduce raw material losses. And during our time in this conference, we caught up with a few key figures to discuss the main points of interest at the event and get more of a sense of the Italian situation. We caught Marco Ricci, chairman of the Working Group on Biological Treatment of Waste at the International Solid Waste Association and former guest on our talk show, and he filled us in on the importance of bio-waste recycling for Italy and the challenges they're currently facing. Italy saw separates roughly 42% of all municipal solid waste and bio-waste is the key element to reach this uh, results. One of the challenges is to expand the separate collection scheme of bio-waste to the southern region where there is a lack of composting and anaerobic digestion infrastructure and uh, where the separate collection scheme are realized spot-wise and not on a general area. Uh, the other point is um, we had a recent report by the Italian Environmental Agency which shows that intensive subscribing scheme for municipal solid waste, including bio-waste and especially food waste, are highly cost competitive to traditional solutions, which just rely on low recycling rates and heavy high recycling rates of landfilling or disposal. Exciting news from the report there that helps to support separate collection, which many municipalities in Italy have been using with great success as well. Now, how to manage the resources in rural areas was another key theme, and something we sometimes tend to neglect when we discuss sustainability. Here is Fabio Fava, coordinator of the Scientific Committee for Ecomondo, sharing his thoughts on the matter. There are for sure new areas on which, uh, in my view, we should work more in the future. Uh, over than 60% of the lands that we have in Europe are rural areas in which the environment uh, is different from the, the most used ones. Very often we are not exploiting in an efficient manner the potential of this area. So we need strategies, we need research and innovation tailored for boosting, for promoting small industrial activities in this area. Industrial means also agricultural companies uh, that are exploiting in the proper way the biodiversity that are specific for those areas. There was much to cover over the course of the event, but particularly interesting was our chat with Andrea Mirandi, ex-mayor of Ravarito City in Italy, who implemented a separate collection scheme there. Mr. Mirandi was keen to stress the importance of citizen engagement in implementing organics recycling schemes and shared some inspiring words that really summed up the feeling at Ecomondo that we're ready for change. The biggest challenge is to make citizens be participants in a good project. Citizen awareness and participation are the biggest challenges for these projects. Citizens must become protagonists even before the local administration or local authority. And we started a communication program that is both precise and locally based. Well-informed citizens are enabled to participate in separate collection recycling. Citizens also need to be rewarded and local authorities need to thank citizens once expected results are reached. 
Citizens must understand their power in sorting waste and ending up with a good result in recycling for a better future and as an investment for the future of their children. I do suggest that other mayors should not be afraid to introduce revolutions in the scheme and demand for changing the habits regarding waste collection. Citizens are ready. New generations fully understand how important it is to preserve the environment. So that's it for our roundup of the Ecomondo 2015 highlights. And that's it for our episode today as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in learning more about the Ecomondo event and for a longer briefing, head over to our events page where you'll be able to find resources, pictures and video briefings from the key figures we spoke to. If you have any questions or comments on the show, do share them with us. You can leave a comment on our website, organicstream.org, or send us a tweet. Our Twitter handle is the Orgstream. Don't forget to subscribe to us as well, either on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher. That's it for this week. Tune in again next time for more great stories. Oh,